Hello, I'm Meredith Harper. Welcome to Ukulele is the New Black, a podcast where I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play ukulele, what they love about it, and how it's changed their lives. Today I have a chat to Christopher Davis Shannon, a Philadelphia-based musician who grew up in a very musical family. He discovered ukulele a few years back and fell in love with it, and he now plays some fantastic music, much of it influenced by early 20th century players such as Roy Smeck and George Formby. Enjoy. Ukulele is the new black, yeah it's the new black, everybody's playing it. So ukulele player, introduce yourself. My name is Christopher Davis Shannon, um, and this is my cat Charlie that you can't see that has oh, just come over to join. Excellent. Uh, it, it's not as exciting as it sounds. He's, uh, he's what we call terrible. Oh. He's a terrible cat. <laughs> Great cat, terrible pet. That's what it is. But anyway, I'm Christopher Davis Shannon, and I play ukulele. I'm a reformed bass player. Ah, interesting. <laughs> so do you still whip out your bass, or is it all ukulele now? No, no, I actually play a lot of a lot of upright bass still. That's still one of my primary things. I have two game, two bass gigs this weekend. <laughs> and actually, ukulele and bass go very well together. Obviously, not at the same time for you, but I think all ukulele. Sometimes yeah. I'm working on <laughs> oh, it. Oh, really? I'm working on it. <laughs> I would love to see that it's for the vaudeville show. <laughs> <laughs> and get your drum going with your foot at the same time. That'd exactly. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> So tell me then about, so you are based in the U.S.? Uh, I am. In the U.S., I'm on the East Coast. I'm in the lovely city of Philadelphia. Beautiful. I haven't made it to Philadelphia yet. I'll do it one of these. One one day when we're allowed to travel. Right, right. (laughs) One day, indeed. (laughs) Yeah, it's a nice thought. (laughs) So tell me then how how you first learned music. Where did that start? Oh, well, I was I was born into it. Is the reality of it? My mother is a was a public school music teacher. She's now retired, um, and professional musician herself. She's a fabulous vocalist and pianist. Um, so I started playing before I can remember anything else. I've been playing playing music. Started out with a brief stint on violin, which did not last long, um, and then a bit of bit of piano. And I really came into stride actually playing clarinet when I was about eight years old or so it was the first instrument that I truly went down the rabbit hole for. <laughs> um, and I, I played that all throughout school, through, through high school. Um, and when it, I realized that I was going to go to university for music because it's the only option I really had. It's, it's the thing that I do. Um, I, I didn't think that clarinet would be the best option for the rest of my life. Um, so I, I went out and bought an upright bass. Nice. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's actually what I studied in, in college, was jazz upright bass. 
Um, and I still, you know, as I was saying, I still work as a bass player and, and guitarist as well um, to this day. And I'm back, back playing some clarinet as well. Oh, that's good. You don't want to lose those skills. They're all handy. Aren't they? Oh, no, no. And they all, they all complement each other to, to some degree. As you were saying, bass and uke especially are just absolutely made for each other. And I do a fair amount of, of duo work with it another upright bassist um, while I play while I play ukulele because you really get the entire sonic spectrum but it's not so muddled that you have a lot of space to play around with things and I, I love that yeah exactly yeah I love playing with a cellist that's good too not quite oh, as low gosh, as your bass yeah. but yeah it, they, they go really well together as well no but let's uh, but, but cellists are uh, let's just say better with the uh, the bow than the bass players are yeah <laughs> So you, you have some new textures at your disposal. Where <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. So when did ukulele start for you and how did that happen? Yeah, so I've, um, I'm actually a newcomer to ukulele. I've been playing about four years or so. Um, as my, my mother's a musician, my brother also is, although he did not make a career out of it. He's also a pianist and singer. Um and he has, has two wonderful daughters who were, I think, four and six at the time. Four and seven, actually. Um, and they wanted to learn an instrument, and Uncle Chris was tasked with buying them and teaching them an instrument. Um, and they specifically didn't want to do piano because my brother plays piano yeah, as well. So just, I, It's been done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't want to be the one teaching them either. Um, he, he took lessons from my mother growing up for a little bit. It did not go terribly well. I can imagine, um, yeah. So I think that might have been part of it. Um, so I was I was tasked with, with that. And I, I thought ukulele was a great idea. We had actually always had one kicking around the house when I was growing up. So I'd, I had played a bit, but I had never truly learned the instrument at all. I could, I could strum a few chords because I played guitar and I could yeah. pick it up and do that. Um, so I, I, I bought myself a ukulele, bought them ukuleles, and taught them for a brief minute. It did, their fascination did not last very long. The one, the one is now a bass player. Oh, <laughs> He's taking bass okay. lessons from me, and the other one is playing piano. So they're right. both still playing, which I'm very happy about. Um, but I ended up being the one that really just went full force into ukulele. I, uh, the first time I, I ran across a Roy Smek video. It just absolutely blew my mind, the things that could be done with that instrument. And in my typical fashion, I said, I need to learn how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time learning how to play in that style from, you know, mostly just transcription and, you know, watching the few videos we have of, of Smack Play. I mean, there's, there's a fair amount out there, but where you can really see the right hand action is not um, nearly as many as we get with players to this day. Mm. So there's always some, some guessing in there and then you know i just kept going from there and realized i truly loved playing this instrument i think part of it is because it's so small versus the rather large instrument that i carry with me (laughs) everywhere um and it it became a lot of fun for me as i i I tour with a rockabilly band um but due to the nature of playing upright bass when we tour we take planes places i don't bring my bass with me they rent me one and I wanted an instrument that I could bring with me. And guess what? A soprano ukulele fits under the airplane seat in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> and counts as a purse. Yes. So <laughs> I started bringing a ukulele with me everywhere that I went so I could, you know, practice in my hotel room. Um, and it just, I, I really, truly fell in love with the instrument. I don't think I've put it down for 
four years at this point. I just walk around my apartment all day playing <laughs> ukulele. It's <laughs> fantastic. So you still do like the that sort of rockabilly vaudeville style, or do you do other things as well? Um, well, I mean, I I play all host of music, but I I ultimately specialize in early twentieth century American music, be that pop tunes of the day, ragtime, jazz, blues, pre-blues, Piedmont blues up until about World War II, and then I do some of the 50s um, rockabilly stuff, uh, only on bass. That's, uh, it's a lot of fun for me, and, and for me the bass playing is very much comes from the school of traditional jazz bass playing. It's, it's the same darn thing, and you're walking a blues <laughs> the whole time. So although the music's a bit later that I, I generally focus on, I think it just has so much in common with it, it's, it's natural. Um, but I, I still I still do all of that, and you know I I try to broaden my horizons as much as I can on the instrument. I, I learn a lot of classical music. I've gone through John King's books of Campanella, and and I love I love addressing actually, especially recently, new works for ukulele. There's a lot of new pieces coming out, and some really fabulous um, composers like Joan Galvez. You have writing a lot of pieces. Sam Muir has been doing arranging in some pieces. Paul Mansell, of course. Um, and I love digging into that new repertoire that's being written for this instrument and, and seeing where people are taking this in a contemporary way, although I specialize in old music. <laughs> well, it's all music at the end, isn't it? And it, I think everything exactly. can still feed into your style by listening to the newer stuff. Yes, yeah. And I think it's it's great to have a an outside perspective of instead of just staying in one one little genre and saying, this is how I play. I want to... You'll be able to do everything I can on the instrument. So you said you play with um, someone else who does an upright bass. I mean, in what ways do you do you play? Do you have different groups? Do you? We do. I do a fair amount of solo work. I mean, when I at festivals and such is mostly me playing solo. Uh, but I have a four-piece band based out of Philadelphia. We have, um, and we we pair that down depending on the gigs. We have with me on uke and uh, guitar, tenor guitar, and banjo. Um, and whatever else I can grab. Uh, amazing upright bass player. Um, and I have a good friend who doubles on fiddle and mandolin with us. And then I have a Manouche guitar player um, who plays Django Reinhardt style guitar, which really, nice. really fills out the sound. And we, we play swing dances and, and any place that will will have us. But um, <laughs> I say that's the thing I really, I actually have my first gig um, back with ju just a duo with my guitarist oh, next wow, that's exciting! And, and, and an outdoor gig and I'm so looking forward to just making music with with other people yeah. it's, I have not gotten to do it much during the last year <laughs> as nobody has <laughs> no no oh that's so exciting that's excellent so do you do you write music as well I do I do indeed I, I write um both instrumental compositions um for for ukulele mostly these days, um, as well as um, jazz tunes and, and singer-songwriter repertoire as well, kind of in the, the old school vein that I, I exist in. Mm. Uh, but yes, I do, I do write. And do you, you also teach, I'm assuming last year when you couldn't do all your performing, how were you making money? <laughs> yeah, te teaching is the answer. And uh, I, mean, I have taught since I was in my late teenage years. Oh, wow. But I'd most, I had mostly taken time off because my gig schedule was just too insane to keep private students on top of that and have them consistently. It was just too hard when I was in and out of town every week. 
Um, and with the pandemic, I was able to start picking up students, but also students from all over the world, which has been really lovely. Um, and with that, students that are really invested in truly learning the instrument, which is beautiful for me as a teacher to do. Um, and also when the pandemic hit, since I, I, my whole year was canceled in yes. a week, <laughs> it was very odd. Uh, I had been doing YouTube videos and such for, for about a year or so, just occasional little things that I, I decided to kind of double down on that content a little bit. Um, so I teach, I, I release weekly lesson videos on, on YouTube as well as doing private lessons. Um, and I also took a bit of time in the past year to write a, a book on the style of George Formby um, and breaking down his right hand techniques because mm, I just need to stay on I it, it is and it's it's a blast and um, I really love using his techniques outside of the form B rec repertoire yeah. I think it's such a wonderful thing to have just in your toolbox of strumming there's so much you can do with those those syncopated rhythms that he did and they they really have applications in a host of musical styles and um, especially in the u.s no one no one knows who george Formby is here oh really unless you're yeah you you, know, you go to the uk you go to europe everyone knows yeah. Formby. it's a household name over here unless you're obsessed with ukulele and especially the older stuff you've probably never even heard of him oh wow um and, and I'm, I'm i'm trying to change that a little bit because I I think that you play you know he should be held in the regard as people with you know such as as Cliff Edwards and Art Fowler and all those other wonderful players that were playing in that time period and uh, he just gets kind of boxed out <laughs> because he was in in England um, so I'm I'm hoping that more U.S. players start to address that style and incorporate it into their own playing yeah absolutely um, well do you want to demonstrate something for me then. You have a ukulele there? And I do. Tell me about this ukulele you have. Ah, yes. This is, uh, this is made, actually, in the UK, in Bristol, ah, um, nice. by wonderful Liam Kirby of Wondercomer Instruments. Um, this is my, my pride and joy. It's very right pretty. Here. So it's got the little sort of stars and moon there on, the, on your... Yeah, and this was a design that I had done. Um, I wanted him to cop the feel of the old... This is old like banjo motif from the late teens, yeah. early 20s. You'd see this a lot. And I wanted a nod to that, but also um, I, I love the original ukes, the Nunez and Diaz style ukes, which is really kind of what this is is based off of, more or less, is that style of design. It's a little bit even more compact than mm. what most people play as sopranos these days, the, the Martin styles. Um, and, and this instrument really delivers. I play this acoustic with with a four-piece band and it cuts through oh which is wow still insane to me it's the loudest uke i have ever heard in my life well just adjust your levels before you start playing yeah <laughs> fantastic all right what are you going to play um i mean actually i'll just uh, i'll kick this off with one of my tunes this is Perfect. this is one called uh called bluebird Darkness of the night with their moon 
shines the sun Spread your wings now and so Above that old willow tree When you look down Don't you pay no mind about me Why don't you fly Float away into the darkness now The night where that moon Yeah, shines the sun Don't you come home too soon Where fall those clouds pass over the moon Or the sun is over the hills Red blue bird why don't you fly float away into the darkness of the night where that moon outshines the sun Don't you moan See we'll be together when that sun is gone And we'll kiss By light of the moon Well it's burning so bright now bluebird Why don't you fly Float away into the darkness now of the night shines the sun yes it does where that moon now it outshines the sun nice <laughs> Oh, I loved that. That was so good. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed just watching your strumming hand because it just the way it just goes around in circles and then doesn't. And then <laughs> it's very much those, yeah, as you say, those sort of George Formby sort of triplety um, strummy things. Yep, That's yep. the technical term, strummy of, things. Yeah, <laughs> strummy things, yeah. And plenty of split strokes in there. We're just swinging them instead of playing them straight. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. Oh, it's, that's fantastic. I really enjoyed that. And yeah, and you can Thanks. whistle too. I can't whistle. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't whistle like a normal person. That's the thing. I can only whistle through my teeth. Uh, it actually comes from when, when I was when I was young and learning to speak. I had a speech impediment, and any time that I would try to say an sh sound, shh, it would come out. Oh! <laughs> and and although I, I had speech therapy and I can 
I can speak pretty well, I think, at this point. Um, I, I learned to whistle before I could even talk because of that, uh, which and I, I've always just, just kept in my repertoire. It works so well for, for this style mm. of music as well. You think of those old you know, Gene Austin recordings, even Bing Crosby was, <laughs> was whistling, whistling on so many of those early tunes as well. Yeah, yeah I was kind of thinking with, with those tunes that um, if you couldn't whistle, if you're like me and you couldn't whistle, it would have to be a bit of a handicap because whistling just kind of goes, doesn't it? <laughs> It does. It does. I, I, I need to work on my mouth trumpet. That's the other thing that goes so oh, darn well yes, with yes, that. Oh, yes, yes. You've got to do that. With it. I'll get there one of these days. <laughs> so that is your awesome ukulele. Do you have others? That's it. Really? You're a one ukulele I am, person. I mean, I, I, there, there is just a badgerlele on the yeah. wall, but... Uh, which I, I do also have, which was, was made for me by David Pratt over in Barcelona. Um, but it's so loud that unless I'm amplified, I can't really play it. It's fun for outdoor gigs, but no, I'm, I am mostly a one uke wow. kind of guy. I actually do technically own other ones, but then friends come over and show the tiniest bit of interest in a ukulele, and I go, please take this home with you. <laughs> <laughs> take it and play it and spread the love. Take it. So now so, so my ukuleles are, are somewhere, but this is this is the one. Yeah, I'm not not much of a collector. I just I just like to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you said you have a gig coming up, which is fantastic. So is it starting to I guess now that you're getting some some vaccinations out there, is it starting to open up? Uh, well, I mean, I live in the U.S. Yeah. What we conceive as being closed is nothing to the rest of the Well, I mean, I'm in Australia <laughs> where one we get one case and everything shuts down. So very different. Exactly. Very I different. think of that. It's very different. And, and, and mind you, I live in Philadelphia, which is a major state. We have been mostly shut down and are just starting to open back up. A lot of, a lot of the rest of the world is not. But I don't play most of my gigs in Philadelphia. So. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But it no, it's nice. Yeah, the vaccination rates are going up. I'm I'm halfway there myself. Right. I have two more weeks, and I'll be fully vaccinated, which will make me feel so much better about life, um, and and going out. So yeah, some and and also just with spring coming, outdoor gigs are starting, and it's it's an easy, uh, it, it's a very easy platform to be able to distance yourself from everyone else and wear a mask. So yeah, we're we're doing outdoor gigs. I'm not sitting in clubs playing yet, and don't truly anticipate really seeing much of that at all until the fall yeah at the at the earliest um for for even small dates which is which is okay i'm having a blast doing what i'm doing right right now i really do miss the you know the community of musicians the camaraderie of playing with my friends all the time but um you know i i miss the music more than i miss the actual act of gigging if okay. that makes sense yeah. i love i love playing music but it's kind of been nice because i've been i've been gigging since i was i mean like four or five nights a week since i was probably 22 23 oh, and I'm, wow. I'm closing in on 35 and this is the longest break i have anywhere close to it that i've had in my adult life um and it's it's just been always something that I do, and I I love it. I being on stage makes me absolutely giddy. But it's it's been nice to have a year to just practice my instrument because I don't get to do that nearly enough. And now I have I have time for it. I'm going to miss my practice sessions when all the all the gigs do start. Yeah, coming when back. it all goes goes crazy again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, and it's coming soon. <laughs> now, did you say earlier that you have a podcast? 
I do, yes. Uh, it, it was something I had wanted to do for years, but again, because of my schedule, it was just absolutely impossible for me to take on. It's something like that. So I, I decided to start doing it. It's been about a year now that I've had it. We've been doing we nearly weekly episodes. Um, it's called Checking In, and it's it's really just pretty much me calling up other players and talking. It's not necessarily an interview because I'm not an interviewer. I'm a musician. Nor am I, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I just, it's nice. It's just kind of casual chats with fellow musicians and they'll, they'll play a few tunes. And it's been lovely because I get to talk to people I've had, you know, like we have casual interactions at festivals, but when you're teaching at festivals, you don't necessarily get to hang out with all the other teachers that much. So to, to dive more into people and, and get to meet a lot of people that I, I haven't, you know, virtually at least. And then I'm hoping once once this all ends, I'll be able to meet up with a lot more people in person. And I I intend to start doing the podcast um, in person when I start traveling yeah. again, uh, which will be a lot of fun and be able to to hopefully play tunes with the artists as well as, as just having them play songs. Yeah, it is really nice doing it in person. And I, I do miss that because that's what I used to do. Yeah. I'd always just go to festivals and I'd see who was going to be there and I'd do a record interviews with them at the festivals. And I thought yeah. that, you know, once I couldn't do that in person, I thought, oh, this, this isn't going to work. This is going to be terrible. Actually, it's, it's been great. <laughs> 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 it means I don't have to go to Philadelphia to talk to you. <laughs> right, exactly. But hey, Philly's not so bad. You should come visit anyway. I will. I, well, I was in New York. Would you believe I was in New York last March? It's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning, very late February, um, uh, Early March, and then I, then I went on a cruise ship for a, for a week, which is what you do during a pandemic. Um, <laughs> but um, you just went to the worst possible situations all at once: yes. New York and a cruise ship. I know. <laughs> I had pl- originally planned to go to, to Italy after that. That did not happen. No. <laughs> oh, it's still so funny. Wow! Wait, wait, wait! Is this is this whole pandemic your fault? <laughs> no, I didn't bring it with me. I didn't go by. You're going with all the hot spots. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, still hard to believe. So I'm hoping to do to actually to go to the US again next March for another one of my cruises. Oh, so great! I'm just, I guess, to me, the only risk is I think because we're a bit slow with the vaccinations here in Australia, the risk is that we're not vaccinated enough for them to let us fly out and come back. Right, right. Yeah, but I think I'll be good because they do it by ages. So the old, the old people, mm-hmm. I like to think of myself as not one of those. Um, <laughs> Have been able to do it, and then my age group is coming next in May, so I should. Oh, uh, it's wonderful! To... You're almost there. Yes, almost. Almost there. there. Almost there. <laughs> yeah, I lucked out. They they opened up the vaccinations earlier than they were anticipating in in Philadelphia, because people were getting them at such a high rate, and we have a mass vaccination site here. They, they, I just started getting text messages. You can just walk up anytime you want. <laughs> Wow, oh, that's fantastic! And I'm in the the and I'm in the very 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 last group of, of you know young healthy people. The one time it's not fun to be young and healthy is <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. You're yeah. your last. That's right. <laughs> um, so when when you know the world does come back to normal, do you think that things will change? It I mean, having done all the stuff at home and all the other things, do you think it's going to change the mix of what you do? Absolutely, absolutely. Because I. Um, I love teaching as much as I love performing. And with, I don't have students in Philadelphia. None of my students would be in person anyway. Um, so I intend to keep teaching. And And YouTube has been a great outlet for me. Um, and I think greatly improved me as both a player and a teacher. Um, 
so everything I've done through this has, I, I think, just really furthered my career, and I want to stick with with that and keep doing all the gigs when they come back as well. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm glad that the past year happened because it's obviously been very, very terrible. But it's it's made me take a step back, um, which I, I just didn't have the time for before because I was playing so much. Um, and really readdress what was going on in my my career and I think for me um, it's put me on a positive trajectory so I, I intend to keep doing all these these crazy things and I also think it's I hope I will say that I hope that this will also serve as a bit of a reset for the entertainment and arts industries um, I think the last year has really highlighted how much people take the arts for granted yes and how much they truly need them in their lives. Um, but with that, a lot of arts organizations have invested so much in, in live streaming and online programming. And I hope that that continues as well um, as the gigs come back. I know like our, our big jazz club in town, Chris's, invested a lot of money in a multi-camera setup. So they they beautiful live streams. I mean, it's as if you're watching a, a DVD of a concert that's pre-mixed, but it's, it's all live. Wow. Um, and I really hope that they're able to keep doing that as as the patrons come back in as well. And it, it'll be a, a great revenue stream for them as well as the artists and and bring music to just an even wider audience than we'd ever thought imaginable. And I think that's an amazing thing. So I hope that a lot of these changes that have happened in the industry, and there's obviously a lot of really bad things that have happened as well, such as some of my favorite venues closing forever. Um, and I, I hate to see that, um, but the places that have adapted, I hope that adaption continues. And I think it's, I think it's good on the artist side and the, the venue side. Um, and the, the arts have a tendency to stay in the past because we, we like it, <laughs> uh, how, th how things are, that's just how it goes. And this kind of forced the hand of a lot of people. And I, I think it, it may end up being a net positive yeah. in the long run but we'll we'll see right yeah and look you've got to take the positives where you get them <laughs> yeah exactly e exactly it can't all be negative yeah that's right <laughs> well do you have another song to play for me um yes i think so let's do not one of mine okay um i'm gonna do a little i'm gonna do a charlie chaplin song oh nice <laughs> your heart is aching smile even though it's breaking when there are clouds in the sky you'll get by if you smile through the fear and sorrow smile and maybe tomorrow you'll see the sun come shining through for you Light up your face with sadness, hide every trace of sadness. Although a tear may be ever so near, that's the time you must keep on trying. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find 
find that life is still worthwhile if you just smile. up your face with gladness hide every trace of sadness although a tear may be ever so near that's the time you must keep on trying smile what's the use of crying you'll find that life is still worthwhile Oh, that's such a great song, isn't it? That one is, it really is a timeless oh, one. One of my absolute favorites. It's such a such a beautiful song. And actually, my um, my my girlfriend lives right a, a block away from East Market, where Charlie Chaplin grew up oh, in London. Wow. So it's it's an extra special song for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, all right, I'm going to ask you the big question now, which is, how has ukulele changed your life? Oh, I was I was thinking about this the other day. Um, that if I if I talked to myself when I was I was like eighteen, nineteen years old and said, "Where do you think you'll be in ten, fifteen years?" I, I think the last place that I would have thought I would be is playing ukulele at all. <laughs> and yet here I am, and it's uh, it's it's brought me all over the world. Um, I have met some of the most incredible people. I, I I don't know that there's much else in my life that has had a more positive impact than this instrument. It truly has changed everything. It's, it's made me a better musician. It's made me a heck of a better bass player, um, playing ukulele and thinking of those two in, in tandem. Um, it just absolutely has changed everything about my life, and I think that's incredible. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, it's awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been a pleasure. Certainly. Thank you for having me. I wanted to play an instrument. Ukulele is a New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and I performed it with Janine Chandler, Jim Croft, Jasmine Fellows, Paul Marsh, Sandra Shaw and Chris Williams. Seb Carrero does the graphic design. To find out more about Christopher's music, teaching, and his new book, The George Formby Handbook, go to his website, thetinman.co. If you want more information about any of the things mentioned in today's episode, there are links in the show notes. You can also go to the Ukulele is a New Black YouTube channel for a playlist with songs relating to today's episode.
enjoy this podcast, please give it a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell your friends. Episodes are released every second Monday, and you can subscribe pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll be back with another episode in two weeks.